No, your eyes aren't playing tricks on you, and we're not just a couple of games into the season. It's March, and the Sacramento Kings are in the second seed in the Western Conference. What a world we are living in, and to celebrate this achievement, Jerry Reynolds, legendary Kings former head coach and broadcaster, Jerry Reynolds joins me right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On King. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all year long. My name is Matt George. I have the pleasure of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And it's real, people. The Kings are the second seed in the Western Conference. It is March 8th, and the Sacramento Kings are the second seed in the Western Conference. That will never get old to say. I'll probably say it so many times that it annoys the hell out of everybody around me, but I do not care. The Sacramento Kings are the second seed in the Western Conference. Ooh, boy, that feels good. Man, that's a position the Sacramento Kings have not been in since I was a child, people. This has been a long time coming, but the Kings deserve to be here. This isn't a Cinderella story. It's not like the Kings are doing things this year that are so magical and so unbelievable that they have to capitalize it on it now because it'll never happen again. We know this Kings team can even improve upon where they're at right now. This core is the same 24, 25, 26, 27 year old age range. They're all hitting their prime at the same time. The Kings are built to be able to do this for years to come. And we still believe that they are going to be able to improve, whether it's defensively or adding more players, a better rotation, whatever. Monty McNair has to has a lot of work to do to handle that this summer. But before that, we get to enjoy the Sacramento Kings not only being the second seed in the West at this point in time, but a Sacramento Kings team that is going to be in the playoffs and is going to be, I feel pretty confident saying at this point in time, hosting a playoff series and having home court advantage for games one and two of the playoff, uh, of the opening rounds of the playoffs. It's pretty crazy that the Golden One Center's first uh, playoff game is going to be game one with the Sacramento Kings being a top seed in the West after missing the playoffs for 16 straight years. That is going to be an incredible ticket. It's going to be a historic ticket. I've already seen Kings fans discussing how expensive that ticket is going to be. Regardless whether you're going to be able to go to the game or you're going to watch from home or come outside and watch outside of, the, of DOCO or completely flood the streets of downtown Sacramento, whatever, it's going to be an incredible, incredible accomplishment. Of course, Kings have work to do before then, starting with the New York Knicks tomorrow night, right? National TV game, Kings and Knicks cannot wait for that performance, but it's it's good. It's fitting that the Sacramento Kings are going to go into that game as the second seed in the West. It's fitting. This team deserves it. They deserve that kind of recognition. And I told you, man, I told you, believe in this team. Believe in this group. Because 
All the conversations were about the Kings moving down. All the conversations were about the Kings falling to four or falling out of uh, of home court advantage or maybe even falling out of the top six. And, and look what everybody else was doing at the trade deadline and, and, and yada, yada, yada. And I'm not saying those aren't valid points, but I'm telling you this team is special. Believe in what they're doing because it was just as likely, if not more likely, that the Kings were going to be knocking on the door of number two before they were going to be concerned about whoever's at four or five. And six, and lo and behold, here is where the Kings are at. It's not. It, it, it's it's too early to take our victory laps, right? It's too early to throw our parade. So I'm not here declaring that the Kings are going to be the two seed. They have not clinched that position. But what I'm telling you is they've gotten to this point not because it's a fluke, not because John Morant decided to be an idiot on social media, not because the Memphis Grizzlies are wounded, but because the Sacramento Kings have put themselves in a position to make this run at the right time. And they've done that by winning six out of seven games since the All-Star break during this playoff race. They've done that by controlling their destiny. They've put themselves in this position. So even though it took the Los Angeles Lakers of all teams to beat the Memphis Grizzlies to move the Kings into the second seed, the Kings don't have to thank the Lakers and say it's the Lakers that did it for them. No, the Kings put themselves in this position. And it's just so incredible to be able to say that and so incredible to see them uh, in that second seed. The Kings of the second seed in the Western Conference in March. Oh, boy, that is just fun to say. And it's even more fun to say this. Jerry Reynolds, former Sacramento Kings head coach, longtime Sacramento Kings radio broadcaster, uh, GM of the, uh, the, the, the championship Sacramento Monarchs. Like, Jerry is such a legend here in Sacramento. He's a legend in basketball, period. And he's also a friend. He's so uh, generous with his time. He's always willing to come on Locked on Kings when I text him or call him. Uh, and I had already planned to have him on before the Kings moved up to two. But it's it's just wonderful that we're celebrating the Kings in the second seed with the legendary Jerry Reynolds. I promise you we already had it scheduled for Jerry Reynolds to join the Locked on Kings podcast before the Sacramento Kings moved up to the 2C, but I can't think of a better person to have on to celebrate that accomplishment. Now, of course, Jerry, still regular season remaining, still a lot of time the Kings are going to have to fight, including with the New York Knicks on Thursday in order to maintain that second seed. But what a world we're in right now where the Sacramento Kings, who have missed the playoffs for 16 straight seasons, are sitting in the second seed and are impossible to ignore at this point. It's pretty crazy. Well, it is. I mean, you know, it's one of those things to where you know, at the start of the year, I was just hoping they could be, you know, get into the eighth spot. That would have been an absolute wonderful thing. And, you know, expecting them probably to be more of in the play-in variety. So it's, uh, you know, and they deserve it. They, they've uh, they, they played so unselfish and so well most nights. Uh, you know, the offense has just been brilliant from day one almost. You've been on both sides of expectations, the fan side of things where we have a little bit less to lose. And then on the, the coaching side and actually in the locker room side of things, uh, the team expects, and Mike Brown sh has shared multiple times that he expected to win right away here in Sacramento. He came here to win. This team expects that they can, can and are a championship uh, contender. Meanwhile, maybe on the fan side, you know, 
we're happy to be here. We want to see this team continue to to keep this role going. We would love for them to make as deep of a playoff run as possible, but I don't think too many fans at this point in time necessarily expect the uh, the Kings to win a title. When you look at expectations and kind of balance both those sides, Jerry, do you put more weight into any one over the other, or do you think the expectations should be, yeah, if, as long as this team keeps winning, expect them to go as, as deep as they possibly can? Well, I'm probably, uh, you know, I'm I'm so thrilled with where they are. I, I don't, re- I, to me, I see them as a work in progress. You know, I don't see this as a finished product. I mean, having said that, I think if you're Mike Brown and you're the team, uh, you think in terms of winning every game and you can win a championship. As a fan, uh, taking a step back, I'm saying uh, this is probably not a championship team, that there's a couple other pieces maybe besides experience of going through the playoff situation because i've always said i mean uh i know a lot of times fans will say well we you know why be number eight uh you know you can't win from there blah blah. well you're not going to win unless you get get experience in the playoffs and so so this team needs in my mind uh you know just needs to go through it because it's different you know and i mean you can't it's as different the playoffs are as different as the preseason is to the regular season I agree with you that like the, this team still needs to go through the playoffs to get that experience. And and that's really what we were hoping for more than anything else with this team was just get there and, and kind of see what you have. But at the same time, here you are now in a second seed. And regardless of the standing situation, it's difficult to get back to this spot. But what I'm encouraged by, Jerry, is I, I look at this roster. And like you said, they're not a finished project product, number one. Number two is I still don't think we've seen the best of their top guys. I think once we see De'Aaron on the playoff stage, we'll see an even bigger or higher level to his game than even what we've seen this season. But also, uh, like once this team starts getting that experience and once Monty McNair can make some additions during the off season, okay, what does that look like? So when you're looking at the position that the Kings are in right now, how repeatable, I suppose, do you think this is how can you see this team playing the same way, having the same kind of offensive success, improving on the defense over the long term, the next couple of years? Well, I, I'd be surprised if they if they wouldn't improve. I mean, I think that's the. I think with Mike Brown, I mean, you've got a proven coach. He's a he's certainly a winner. Uh, he's been that. Uh, Monty McNair, I think, has done a marvelous job. I mean, there's just so many good things that he's done, and and of course, it takes the coach when you have good pieces, which Kings do, utilize them correctly, and I think he's all that's happened now. What you don't know uh, is is what uh, you know what the weaknesses are particularly, and and I mean you've got some ideas during the regular season, but you'll find out in the playoffs. I I mean I always remember back when the Kings were just starting to be terrific, you know, making the playoff runs and stuff with Jay Will and 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 those guys, and then of course they needed to make some changes to take it to another level. Uh, to add the Christies and the, and 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 Mike Bibby's and different guys, uh, uh, you know, they weren't necessarily better players, but they were better fits, and uh, and that that may be the case here. To, to take another little step, you may have to. You're going to have to. It's like losing Halliburton for Sabonis. I mean, uh, you know, to get talent, you're going to have to give up talent, and mm-hmm. and 
you know, is, is, you know, the fans always want to say, well, is Halliburton better than Sabonis? Well, he is much better as a guard and Sabonis is way better as, as a power <laughs> player. And, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, the thing with Sabonis is where do you, you, it's, it's hard to get really gifted guards like Halliburton, but it's impossible almost to find gifted uh, power guys like Sabonis. Well, and, and to that point, it's not just about getting talent, it's maximizing that talent. And I think we've seen Mike Brown unlock a side of DeMontis Sabonis to where, I mean, I remember reading the headlines and I remember reading the articles of, will DeMontis Sabonis ever be an all-star again? He's going to the Western Conference. He's now playing where Nikola Jokic is. Like, will he ever be? And, and here he is putting up the best numbers of his career, second only to uh, Nikola Jokic in a lot of ways. And then the same thing, thing can be said about De'Aaron Fox, Jerry. Of course, you were still broadcasing and, and, and followed De'Aaron closely when he started his career here in Sacramento. I remember a conversation we had sitting courtside Fox's rookie season where we were questioning how long it was going to take for Fox to become a starter and just let him figure it out. Well, it's taken him a while to figure some things out, but he's clearly unlocked a part of his game to where he knows when he needs to turn it on and carry the team. And he knows when to step back and get his teammates involved. And that to me, plus the fact that he had a a streak of eight straight 30 point games like that to me suggests De'Aaron Fox is ready for that superstardom that comes with the playoff stage. I agree. I think he is, you know, and it, it probably took him a little longer to get there than it should have. Uh, I also think it's not all his fault. I think certainly wasn't utilized correctly. And honestly, I think the Halliburton Fox uh, pair matching didn't, didn't suit either one completely. And uh, then you take uh, Mike Brown's uh, utilization of Fox. And I always said with, with a coach, there's only two things you can do as a coach once, you, once the players are there is motivate them and utilize them correctly. And, and he's done that, you know, and uh, Fox, I think has, you know, he and Sabonis are just the perfect pairing. And as you pointed out, I mean, we've noticed, you know, in, in the fourth quarter down the stretch of games, uh, everybody's comfortable with Fox uh, basically trying to, you know, taking over games a little bit. And, and that's, that's what you need. I mean, I, I would say he, I was, we do, I do a little podcast with Whitey Gleason and the Phantom called the old fashioned three. And we were talking about, they thought I was crazy, but I said, you know, I'm old enough to remember and watched every day, tiny Archibald in his, in his prime when he was getting 34 and 14 assists and leading the league in both categories with the Kansas city Kings. And I said, Fox reminds me a lot of him, uh, you know, at the, at that stage, because of, you couldn't guard Nate, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, now he'd, he'd play his way into the games, you know, first half. And then, you know, in the second half, uh, he'd just take over and it was just marvelous to watch. And and we see, I see a lot of the same thing with De'Aaron and, you know, and Nate's a hall of famer as he should be. Now, he, of course he had a terrible Achilles injury, which time he used with the Celtics, it, he could still play at a high level, but he wasn't, unstoppable but uh i i mean i think uh, you know fox can put together four or five years like he's has this one he's a hall of famer and a superstar well fox deserves a lot of credit not just for how he's playing but for for sticking with it 
And and you know, Jerry, in, in the modern NBA, we see players jump and, and move around a lot more uh, than maybe and, and and request trades and have the power to say, I'm, I'm ready to move on. And and Fox has shown, obviously, a significant amount of patience to stick with this organization at this point. But he's been very consistent throughout that time with I want to be a part of the change here in Sacramento. And he knew very quickly if he gets to that status, he knows how the city would embrace him and how he would be immortalized the same way we immortalize uh, Doug and Mike and, and, and uh, Webb and, and, and Peja and Vlade and, and the rest of that team. How do you expect Sacramento will look at De'Aaron Fox? Maybe a, not even at the end of his career, maybe just a year from now, based off of being that guy, the catalyst, the face of the team that finally brought playoffs back here. Well, I, I think they'll look at him a lot like uh, Mitch Richmond, you know, uh, during the best part of his career, certainly, where Mitch was clearly the face of the franchise and the league, even though the teams weren't all that good, but he made them better. And he was a guy that everybody in the league knew was a special that you just, you couldn't, you couldn't deal with the rock. And uh, he knew that fans knew that opponents knew that. And I think uh, De'Aaron is a lot like that. And, and a lot like Mitch was, uh, you know, basically a very, very much an adult. And uh, you know, uh, and, and De'Aaron certainly seems that very much a mature young man, that gets it, you know, you're not probably going to find Darren in strip clubs with a, with a gun. I'm pretty sure of that. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories, you have to give Built Bar a try. We're through the holidays now. We're into March, and my goal is to eat a little bit healthier. It's also to add some more protein to my diet. Well, I don't want to have to sacrifice uh, the sweets and the treats and the candy bars and the sweet tooth that I have. Plus, it's unrealistic, right? It's unrealistic to expect us all to just drop the things that we enjoy snacking on and eating just because they're not good for you during a diet. Well, Built Bar says you don't have to drop it. Just replace it with Built products. They're uh, whether it's their built marshmallow puffs, which are protein infused marshmallows, their built granola bars, or their built bars that are covered in 100% uh, real chocolate. They taste like candy bars. There's flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. My favorite is mint brownie. And these bars are 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in each bar. And now you don't need to wait for these bars to be delivered to you when you go and order them off of built.com. You can go on to, uh, or go to your local Sam's club, go to your local Walmart, go to the pharmacy section, get yourself a box, give them a try, find which flavors you like, and then go on to built.com and build the box that they are going to send to you. That's built.com. Mike Brown has done just an incredible job, rightfully so. He's he's up there for coach of the year. And I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think he should be a lock at this point for that award with how he's turned this franchise around. But I mean, he was the he was named the Western Conference Coach of the Month for February. He's the first to do that since Rick Adelman. He's only the third in franchise history with Rick and Gary St. Jean. Like th- he is in elite upon elite company. But Mike, the first thing he'll do is deflect it to his players and specifically deflect it to his coaching staff. And Jerry, I don't know how familiar you are other than like, of course, with like Doug Christie with this coaching staff, but I wanted to ask you back in, in your coaching days, how significant is it and important is it to have 
that supportive of a staff and to not just recognize them, but how they feed into the success that Mike Brown and the Kings are enjoying? Well, I think he's got an outstanding staff. And now, if you want to go back to my days, there wasn't such a thing as a staff. You had one, <laughs> you had one assistant coach. <laughs> there was no staff. I was the staff. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think he's, you know, just my experience through the years with the Kings, I, I think his, uh, and I don't know the guys personally. I, I don't know Mike personally. I know enough people that do that just, I don't know if anybody doesn't think highly of him, you know, as a coach and as a person. And I think he's uh, surrounded himself with people like that, hardworking young people, uh, experienced people like Jay Triano, uh, a really outstanding staff. And I always thought through the years, I thought Rick Adelman's staff was the the best that I'd seen. And, and I still, until proven otherwise, you still got to put them there. And then uh, I thought Dave Yeager had really established a a really good staff and uh, they maybe even stronger as a staff than Dave was as a head coach, you know, maybe, Uh, but you know, it all worked until it didn't, but that wasn't their fault in my mind. But I like, uh, yeah, this, there's no question that, that I think Mike Brown, you know, his experience with all different, situations he's been in uh you know i i think when he when he got this job he was prepared for this job mm-hmm. you know it wasn't a case of kind of being ahead of his skis a little bit no he was more than prepared he's had had jobs and been successful and then of course being around a great franchise like the dubs have been he knew what kind of staff and help he needed and his ego is not so not big so he's going to use that help and i think you know, I think we're seeing it. I mean, I, I just can't imagine, honestly, that that uh, with Monty McNair and, and Mike Brown, that, that this franchise could have two better people in those positions. I think they've just done terrific. Well, speaking of that preparation that Mike put in for this job, part of that preparation was just him properly utilizing his, his, his um, reputation to where he could come in and he could coach these guys and these guys would be willing to listen to him. And he clearly very quickly won over this locker room, got them to completely buy in. And now we're seeing the results of that. And that's something that we haven't seen a coach do in a long time here in Sacramento. Jerry, do you, did you ever have an instance in your coaching career where um, not necessarily it was difficult to connect with a player, but do you ever have those moments where it's like, whether it was a breakthrough or, uh, that you could bring up a reference is like, this is when I got through to my locker room or when I had this, these guys on my side, it was a completely different, completely better and easier experience. Well, I, I can, I always remember probably one of the really good players and good people that I had trouble uh, connecting with early on was Rodney McCray who had been traded from Houston to Sacramento as part of the Otis Thorpe deal, which mm. By the way, I never will understand that, but that's okay. <laughs> I just <laughs> I didn't have any input. But anyway, uh, Rodney, an excellent player, and he had played on you know ch- championship caliber teams with Houston, you know, and and then certainly he wasn't thrilled about coming to a, a rebuilding team, and so so we were wasn't anything personal, I think, but I always remember uh, Jim Peterson, who was his buddy, and 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 so we talked a lot, had a good relationship early on. But I got I was kind of upset with Rodney because I wasn't able to connect with him. And I always remember at halftime one game, I just I went to Rodney's. Rodney was in the back kind of getting something from the trainer. 
and I kind of went on a rant with his locker. And basically, I was saying, Rod, I'm, I can't talk to Rodney, but I, I'll talk to his locker. So locker, Rodney McRae's locker, let me tell you this. This is what I need from Rodney McRae, and, and Rodney McRae needs to to do blah, 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 you know. And, and of course, uh, I always remember from that point on, because uh, Jim Peterson told me, he said, he said uh, Coach, he said, you'll never have a problem with Rodney McRae again. And, and I did. And, you know, he was he was great. But but I mean, sometimes you have to have those kind of little come to Jesus moments. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the come to Jesus moments for Mike have clearly worked with this roster. And I think it's also a credit to the roster where I, I, some egos have been checked at the door in a lot of ways. I think, again, going back to De'Aaron Fox, um, I mean, the fact that he has stated and is clearly backing up his words, he wants to be coached. He wants to be held accountable, and we're seeing what that accountability is doing for him. We're seeing what it's doing uh, for the rest of this roster. But I have to imagine for De'Aaron, too, it's a breath of fresh air to know that he's taking the floor every night with a more than uh, capable roster. And, and how that stands out to me, Jerry, is you go through the box scores over the course of the season, you see six, seven guys in double figures almost every single night. This past uh, this past uh, game that the Sacramento Kings played, they uh, were victorious over the New Orleans Pelicans. De'Aaron Fox doesn't play in that game. They have seven different guys in double figures, led by Kevin Herter with 25. How significant is that to have a roster? We know this is a historically good offense, but to have not just a roster that's capable of scoring at a high level, but consistently is able to, especially in games where your leading scorer is out. Well, it's just remarkable because, like I say, uh, you don't know game to game who's going to uh, lead the, the scoring or somebody off the bench have a huge game. You know, Malik Monk getting 45 off the bench, that's unheard of. You know, Trey Lyles comes in and gets 15 points in 11 minutes or something. Uh, it, you know, but to me, I, and I'm probably a little outspoken here on this, but to me, the, besides Mike Brown, I think Demonis, Domas Sabonis, he is such a naturally unselfish player. Yes. And maybe to a fault. Uh, sometimes he turns down too many scoring opportunities. Uh, but he's totally unselfish. And when he came here last year, you could see that, even though the team for the games that he played. And I, and I think that made it easier, you know, when you get a proven all-star that's totally unselfish, it's hard for the other guys uh, to not be. Mm. And, and I think we've seen that emerge, you know, and I think I, I'm not saying he deserves all the credit, but I think it starts with him. I really do. And, uh, and then basically everybody just is kind of bought into whatever their roles are. And, and, and obviously coach Brown really shows a lot of faith in his bench. And, and it's also true if, if certain guys aren't playing well, which, you know, Herder wasn't for, for a while was not playing well at all. And Monk and different guys played big minutes. Uh, so I always said that's, uh, you know, as a coach, that's about all you can do is sometimes uh, some really good important players jerk their chains a little bit, take their minutes and uh, then, you know, don't, don't uh, take it personal and, you know, don't, and, and have a short memory. Mm. So the next game doesn't have anything to do with the one before. And and he's he's done that, and then the players have. I mean, they no doubt it, it's a. That's why I say this is the first time in years for an old fart like me that I really look forward to the games. You know, I was getting my in my recliner here that I'm in now, and you know, get mentally prepared and just enjoy the heck out of. Them. 
Well, I'm going to ask you about the enjoyment and, and especially for the fans a little bit later on. But going back to Domas, there was a moment in particular, Jerry, and I'll share with you that moment where I went, OK, this is it's it's this is special. And it was DeMontis Savonis had a press conference and somebody I can't remember who asked him, uh, asked him about how he is leaned on so heavily for three quarters. He's really the foundation of what the Sacramento Kings do for the majority of the game. Everything is pretty much run through him when he's on the floor. And then in the fourth quarter, it's De'Aaron Fox time. And DeMontis was asked about that. And he shared, he says, I approach De'Aaron in the fourth quarter. And I say, this is your time. It's you. Where do you want me? Do you want me as a screen, a, a ball screener? Do you want me in the corner? Do you want me? Out of, where do you want me to have a now three time all-star who could have come into Sacramento and said, no, nah, I, I have the resume that De'Aaron Fox doesn't have. He hasn't won anything. I've been to the playoffs. I've been to the all-star game. Like this is my team. That, he easily could have been that way, but to come to Sacramento, be immediately labeled by multiple teammates, one of the easiest guys in the league to play with because he's always looking for you. And then to publicly and privately step up to De'Aaron Fox and say, where do you want me in the fourth quarter? Like that, that's special, Jerry, right? That, that can't be no. expected. No, no, it's, it's, he's, he's an outlier. I mean, Jokic, I think comes to mind as very similar type, you know, bigger and probably better. I mean, but other than him, I don't know if a player that, you know, has that, that, uh, you know, you know, he gets his stats, but not because he's looking for him, just because he's really good at playing within the frame. And and I mean, Domas is, you know, his father was a great player. I mean, he understands what it takes to win and knows that Fox is the one guy on this roster that can go get a good shot just about any time he wants. It. And uh and the, the, the other thing I always say about Domas, it's amazing. There's two things that I just think he's an outlier in. His stamina, I've never seen a big that can run the floor as much as he does, you know, just consistently. And, of course, you know, of course, he's playing, still playing hurt to some mm -hmm. degree. But, I mean, you know, which that's rare, too. But he sets more screens and more good screens than any big player in the league and, and better than any big the Kings have ever had by far. And uh, certainly his stamina exceeds, you know, Weber is the most gifted player of the Kings, but he didn't have the stamina, uh, you know, or the ability to screen and really get guys open like Doma. So, uh, yeah, he's a remarkable play. He's a remarkable, you know, in a lot of the little things as Fox is remarkable in some of the real big things to where, where as a fan, you noticed right away, it's a special athleticism and ability to get shots. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by FanDuel. We're well past the midway point of the NBA season. We're in the final stretches. The playoff picture is starting to come into more clear focus, and it is the perfect time for you to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. It's an insurance policy. You bet on the Sacramento Kings to win. Maybe they still win, but they don't cover the spread that you bet. That's okay. You can get up to $1,000 of bonus bets back. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored and even threes drained. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Jerry, myself and ABC 10, we had you in studio during the NBA finals uh, and you were joining us and we were talking about the Warriors and, and Celtics at that time, of course. And it was a little bit before the NBA draft. And of course, at this time, we had already known the Kings had the fourth overall pick and you and I were talking and we hadn't had any kind of conversation before this. And I asked you, who do you like at number four? And you said Keegan Murray. And I did a backflip because that's that's who I wanted. That's who I was really excited about. It's We could either take our victory laps or we could just acknowledge, look, here is a rookie who's being asked to do what no other rookie is and typically no rookie is asked to do, which is being starter on a, some would say championship contender team, but on a, now a number two seed in the Western Conference and play consistent minutes. And and he's approaching breaking the, the, the record for three pointers as a rookie. How impressive is the maturity that Keegan has shown and his ability to just step into a very significant role where Mike Brown has said he doesn't have time to wait for Keegan or anybody. If Keegan's not ready to go, Keegan will sit down, but Keegan is consistently ready to go. That's really impressive for a rookie. Well, it sure is. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, am I, I'm a little surprised, too, how well he's fit. I think, again, that's credit to Monty McNair, I think, in the draft process. I, I don't know if they knew exactly how good he was. I thought it was a great pick, you know, and I wouldn't say that in years to come there might be other guys picked lower that pass him by. You know, you just don't know. But the point to me is they couldn't have picked anybody you know, had, whether they had the first pick or not, that's fit that's fit as well as Keegan Murray has with this team and this franchise, and and his uh, demeanor on the floor is just uh, <laughs> just amazing. You know, I've always said I I don't know if the Kings will win a championship, but I know this: they're the champions of having three guys that never show their emotion between Harrison <laughs> Barnes and Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray. I mean, you got three guys that you know they could be. You know, they could hit 10 shots in a row or miss 10 in a row and you wouldn't know the difference. I mean, they just play. And that's, oh, it's a, you know, just to me, it's such a positive to have that rather than have guys whining and crying and bitching and moaning on every call or play. Were you, were you as surprised as we all were? We were stunned in the arena that Harrison Barnes got a technical foul the other night. Were you as surprised as we were? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, and there again, it's like when he does it, it's like, well, you know, that was a bad call. And I mean, I know, you know, I don't get caught up in, you know, guys whining and bitching to officials much because most time they, they did foul yeah, uh, or they weren't fouled. And uh, you know, it's like, I, I get frustrated sometimes with the broadcast team because they'll say, Oh, a lot of contact, no call. Well, the reason there's no call, it wasn't a foul. Uh, that's why, mm. you know, I mean, it's a play on. <laughs> same as it is for the other team <laughs> and and so but but i mean for for harrison uh to to show that kind of emotion you know uh you almost know it it was and uh you know i always go back to tyreek evans years ago tyreek just played mm. you know just played mm. and you know he'd sidle up to an official and mention something sort of thing and and i think that's what yeah, I like that. I, I really think that actually I think the league has got a major problem mm -hmm. in that area, allowing all this bitching and moaning and whining and crying because there's a lot of fans think because you're seeing their star guys or players bitching and moaning that that they're really getting screwed. Mm -hmm. And and they're not most of the time. They're not. I mean, they get bad calls, but so is the other team. So 
anyway, that's a that's that's my rant for the day on that. Is like the league needs to grow a couple and and get in, you know, give the officials some support since it's a totally impossible job anyway. I welcome any Jerry Reynolds rant about basketball or anything in life at any point uh, of time. Well, Jerry, finally, you'll watch good and exciting basketball no matter where it's played. But finally, it's being played here in Sacramento. Of course, you have such a special connection with this fan base, such a special connection with this community. I know you're uh, so incredibly thrilled to be able to uh, celebrate good basketball here in Sacramento again. But what what have you enjoyed the most about seeing this fan base, not just revitalized, but the rest of the NBA world again, start to pay attention to what's happening in Sacramento? Oh, it's just been uh, really, really marvelous because, you know, the fans, we know the fan base deserves good basketball and they haven't had it for a number of years. And, 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 and I always knew that, I mean, this is such a knowledgeable fan base that they know good basketball, mm. uh, you know, and they've supported teams that really didn't provide it and to, you know, to their credit, but they, know, but they enjoy it. Even if like myself, even as the other team plan. I mean, I love good basketball. I'd prefer it to be the Kings, which it is now. But I, I'll uh, kind of last few years, I've noticed myself, you know, I'll, I'll turn and watch other games mm. because I just refuse to watch <laughs> <laughs> the Kings when they're playing crappy. I just get frustrated. So uh, rather than yelling and screaming at the TV, I can turn to another game and leak pass. But, uh, but yeah, the fan base, they deserve it. Uh, they're, they're getting uh, what – you know, they're getting exactly what they should get. And and more importantly, I think, or partially important, is that the, the national media, uh, to their credit, it, they're slow. They're very slow. And they don't want to uh, come around, but they have. They, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, sometimes what they're watching, but at some point, you know, but I saw that with uh, back in the late two. Uh, 90s with Jay Will and the boys, it, it took a little while for him to say, whoa, there's something special going on out there. And and that's what's finally happening here. You know, that uh, that the league is, it took the Kings to get to the third spot in the West for them to notice, but uh, but they have noticed. And that's great. And and I, I guess my most important thing is I think the Kings are there. I think they're, I do think they're a work in progress. I think they're going to stay there for years to come. I think you've got a, a basis for a winning team for a lot of years. And that's what's really cool because I saw that happen in years past and, you know, the Rick Adelman years. And I think we're going to have the Mike Brown years and barring major injuries. And I'm knocking on wood here, barring major injuries, we're going to have the Mike Brown years. And so, it's a good time. Good time. Just hope, hope uh, yeah, I can hang in there and see all of it. Oh, well, you definitely will. And 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 we're also hoping that, you know, the G-man, Gary Gerald, can be oh. able to continue going and broadcast this because all of course this entire fan base deserves this, but nobody deserves it more than G, right, Jerry? For no, no, no. He's uh he's he's an outlier to everything. I always said I, I think he's the very best to have ever done it, not just here, ever, in, anywhere. And I like I say I've listened to him. Uh, I mean, occasionally I'll just I'll listen to him uh, during, even though it's not synced up right. But I mean, he he he's a marvelous marvelous man. Number one, I mean, good friend. Uh, just but talent is just off the charts. You know, he he paints 
you can listen to Gary Gerald on radio and you see the game. You can see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know of anybody that can do that as well. And uh, I've always said the last thing is that people forget that I worked a year or so in TV, two years with Gary. Hmm. And uh, my friend, and I was awful, just awful. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Gary, I mean, due to his mentorship and patience and humbleness and everything, really, because I didn't get any training. You know, they just said, hey, "Jerry, we want you to do this. Uh, not going to really pay you anymore, but we want we want." <laughs> it was basically saving money, get me do more jobs. <laughs> but Gary was just great, and I always be grateful for that. But yeah, the the. Yeah, he definitely the press room ought to be the Gary Gerald press room. That's for sure. Well, Jerry, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I know that 17,000, 18,000 people would love to see you in the Golden One Center when the Kings return for the playoffs. So hopefully you make the make the trip out there. Would love to see you, of course, in person and, uh, and, and chat with you again. But you're so generous with your time here uh, on Locked on Kings, so generous with the work that you do for multiple different podcasts and always making yourself available. Uh, you're, you're an absolute top-class guy, just like G-Man is. So I appreciate you so much, and uh, hopefully we can all enjoy this this multi-year Kings run together. Well, let's do, and uh, thank you, Matt, for having me on. Obviously, I've always enjoyed visiting with you over the years, you know, in the crest room, doing what I like to do, getting free food, as you know. And uh, so uh, <laughs> that was always, you know, talking basketball. And I, so anytime, anytime, I'm, I have a lot of respect for you. And, and, and really, I watch your show all or podcast all the time. So, uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's just enjoy it. I appreciate that so much, Jerry. I saved this for the end because now I'm about to kill every goodwill, uh, all goodwill that I have with you. You want to know how old I was the last time the Kings made the playoffs? Oh God, you're going to tell me, aren't you? <laughs> I was 12 years old, Jerry. Oh Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> so uh, oh, oh. we're all we're all desperate to get back. You were you were a cool 37 at that point in time. So. <laughs> I, I, I wish that were true. Holy moly, Jim Bob Moly, right there. Wow, what a treat to have Jerry Reynolds on again, man. He, he's just an icon in my eyes, right? And he's someone I grew up listening to. I grew up watching. Sorry, I had to age you a little bit there towards the end, Jerry. But uh, I mean, I've been following Jerry and listening to Jerry since I was, uh, since I can remember. Same thing with G-Man. So to be able to have both Jerry and G-Man uh, consistently on the Locked On Kings podcast is just a dream come true for me. Just like the Kings being in the, in the second seat in the Western Conference, still not old to say. Uh, is a dream come true for all of us here in Sacramento. Hopefully they can maintain it. If you want to respond to anything that Jerry and I discussed here on Locked on Kings, please do so. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. If you're going to Kings and Knicks tomorrow night, you talk about a hot ticket. Holy moly, that's not going to be an easy ticket to get. But if you are going and want to be a part of that incredibly rowdy atmosphere on national television, please, please let me know. I would love to see you. I'm at the top of Section 105 in the media area, but you can contact me and we can set up a time to meet. Um, and, and I'm usually trying to walk the concourse before the games too uh, as much as possible. So if you see me or if you want to reach out to me, let's set up a time to chat. And then if you do see me, don't be don't be shy. Yell at me. Scream at me. Come running up to me and give me a high five. I don't care. I would love to see you and would love to talk to you. Thank you so much for your support. I can't wait to have you join me on the post-game edition of Locked on Kings after tomorrow night's game. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 